We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, what's up? Ladies and gentlemen, Nick is taking time out from a holiday party to Brooklyn Buzz. If that's not dedication, I don't know what is. I appreciate it, Jack, but at least we're able to talk about a win. I was so worried that I was going to watch the Nets and they're going to have this blowout loss to the, the Hawks, and I was going to be at this party and be just like a sour grape, but they had a nice comeback, and we'll dive into that. As always, though, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, otgbasketball.com, netsrepublic.com, and Blue Wire Pods. But, Jack, should we start with that fourth quarter? Yeah, let's start with the, the good part of the game, Nick. 37-14 to 14 <laughs> last quarter. Oh, my God. Uh, I'm not necessarily sure that the Brooklyn Nets defense was otherworldly, but, you know, the Hawks certainly took the foot off the gas and the Nets under Spencer Dimwitty and DeAndre Jordan's guys absolutely put the foot on the stranglehold. Yeah, they really just stepped up in that fourth quarter. And like you pretty much put it perfectly, the good part of the game, because essentially they weren't good the rest of the game. The first quarter it was tied, but they weren't playing well. They were giving the Hawks easy shots. And it was kind of a thing where they let the Hawks get going. And then the rest of the game, they were able to hit tough shots. But in that fourth quarter, they were able to kind of put the clamps on a little bit. The Hawks started to get down to the mean. And I think a lot of props goes to Garrett Temple. He had that stretch. I don't know if it was kind of late third, early fourth quarter, where he carried the team and he essentially saved it from being a blowout. And that allowed the Nets. Let's get back in it. Yeah, he was absolutely awesome. And then it was, funnily enough, I liked the early insertion of Spencer Dimity from Coach Kenny. It was probably about yep. 10.30 in the last quarter. And he did have the five fouls. So to have that trust upon him, you know, he did keep him in at, at one point when he did have four fouls. And then he got that little ticky-tacky foul. Seemed like a lot of those tonight. We might chat about it. But <laughs> it was clever coaching from him. And, and Garrett Temple was incredibly important. 40 minutes, 40 minutes tonight from him. 25 points, six rebounds, three assists, a steal and a block. Liked his defense for the most part. And the three ball was falling four of nine from three two. 
There was one step back three that just stuck at, stood out for a Garrett Temple. It's a shot that he doesn't make on a regular basis, but he hit it tonight when the Nets needed it so much. And it just helped continue to bring momentum to the team. And then obviously I think that big DeAndre oop between him and Spencer, that just got the crowd even more into it. And that kind of just took some of the juice out of the Hawks. Yeah, I think that energy is a big thing in basketball, Nick, and you could sense the momentum going the Brooklyn Nets way. The bench was getting involved. Barclays was getting involved. And you feed off that energy when you're on the court. And it was certainly the, the it changed the tide of the game in, in a lot of ways. And, you know, I think it opened things up a lot. And Spencer maintained his aggressiveness. You know, DeAndre Jordan was good on both ends of the floor. I think in the first half, I could say anything but that. He was frustrating, but he was passing the ball really well, sometimes trying to do a little bit too much. But when he steps up in the final quarter like uh, like he did tonight, uh, I've got no complaints. Especially he played the whole quarter, essentially. You know, he yeah. came out at the end for free throws and stuff like that. But to be in there and play the whole quarter, and he his presence was felt. And I think that technical got him going because the first half he wasn't good and the second half he was a lot better. And sometimes for older players that kind of need a kick in the ass, a technical or just a couple bad calls will get them going. And, you know, you use what you can. You know, I think DeAndre yep. was certainly angry and it was, a, again, another bad call from the refs. Seemed like a lot of those calls went... Even Kobe Nets. thought it was bad. Yeah, Kobe, uh, Kobe and his daughter, you know, watching the game dissecting it. I'm sure he's teaching her a few things. We could have used maybe Kobe at a few times tonight to get a bucket and maybe even some stops because Kobe did play some decent defense in his time. But yeah, I think that DeAndre was, this was his best game of the season. To get 20 rebounds is just something else. His passing was awesome. He really got Rodion's Kuritz involved. And, you know, in his 11 minutes, we'll chat about him. You know, he looked good defensively for the most part. Uh, I thought that he was, you know, if you're, if we're ranked, actually, Nick, I'll give this to you. Rank the three best players tonight in order of who was best. I think Spencer Dinwiddie has to be number one because yeah. he's just consistently attacking. And, you know, his shot wasn't falling, but we'll, like you mentioned, we'll get into the refs a little bit. I love the fact that he continued to drive, even though he was not getting the call. Last year, Spencer, the year before, he would have stopped. He would have shot probably like 10 step-back threes in this game. He did not stop attacking. So he's number one. I'm going to give Garrett Temple number two because I thought not only offensively did he help save the team, but you mentioned it. Defensively, he did a very nice job on Trey Young on what you can do. You can only do so much to a player like that that can make tough shots, especially when he's getting calls. And, you know, I think but three would probably be DeAndre. You know, I would maybe lean by Joe Harris if he had a better first half because he had some really clutch moments that fourth quarter. But I thought DeAndre's impact inside, especially with Alex Len having such a big impact on the boards, was huge. Yeah, I think that in the early, the first half especially, Alex Len was playing some ridiculous basketball, some career-level basketball. And, you know, I was just like, wow, Spencer didn't really kind of even get past this guy. And I know we've seen him live before. We've seen the Hawks play live before. And I do think he's a decent enough player. You know, obviously he was taken in, in the lottery. I don't think he's a lottery talented player but he is a starting level player in this league and you know the he was certainly <coughs> excuse me capable enough were defensively tonight and he was rebounding absolutely everything on the offensive and defensive and he was giving them life you know the reason why they scored 73 points in the first half was a lot of them were second chance opportunities yep. because of the offensive rebounding led by Alex Len. Yeah, 100%. So that's why I thought DeAndre was hu so huge. And it's not even that I thought Jared Allen was like terrible in this game. He wasn't quite as aggressive on the boards or attacking the rim. But Atlanta, again, attacked inside and pulled DeAndre or pulled Jared out of the paint. DeAndre, just it's easier for him to establish a position back in there because he's so big. And then also just a quick shout out for DeAndre tonight. I think he created his offense more in this game than we've seen the entire season.
Yeah, and there were some times where it didn't work. Probably for the most part, though, you know, I would say if we're looking at probably f- five possessions or so, four or five possessions, I would say 50-50. He was able to, you know, draw some air on opportunities. Sometimes he messed them up. They looked a little bit sloppy. But for me, what is positive is that, you know, we were pretty... We, I, I, Me personally... I crucified the under Jordan on the last Brooklyn Buzz, and I'm more than happy to eat my words when he puts, pulls out performances like this. You know, I, I think we we get caught up in the moment. I certainly do. I was despondent. I called a Nessa loss after the first half, the first three quarters, so I certainly was uh, down the rabbit hole. Uh, but that's how fandom is. You're right, you're wrong, and you're happy to eat them, eat those losses when they turned into to team wins. It felt bad, though. Like, and that's in, not in defense of you, but just like as another fan watching the game, it didn't feel like it was going to be a win. You knew there needed to be some type of spark. Like I mentioned, I felt like that was Garrett Temple, that ooh between Spencer and DeAndre. But in that, in the first three quarters, it kind of felt like a team that was like already looking at the break, where they're like, ah, oh, you know, we're about to have a week off here before we have to play again, or not a week, a couple days, and then we'll rest. And we're facing the Hawks tonight. We should be able to cruise through this. And then what happens, you know, the Hawks kind of smack him in the face the first three quarters and they finally turn it up in that fourth. What did you think of no Pinson even when Spencer did when he was in foul trouble, Nick? Yeah, I think Pinson's pretty much done. I, I kind of felt that way, you know, the last two games with Garrett Temple kind of taking up that back backup point guard role because, and this is no disrespect to Garrett Temple, I thought he's played great for the Nets. He's not a backup point guard. He's, he's not a great passer. He, he kind of struggles, you know, running the offense sometimes. So it really says a lot about Theo Pinson. So I think Pinson... You know, his minutes are pretty much done for right now. I think Pinson's minutes would be almost better off coming as not as a primary ball handler. Like we saw him last year where he kind of played next to Shabazz, where he was able to be a secondary playmaker, play defense, and then hit open shots or kind of have other people set him up. Yeah, right now the Nets don't have that, unfortunately. Yep. So it means, <laughs> and, you know, we had DeAndre dropping dimes, you know. He, he was he had six assists, a lot of them to, to Rodion's courts on, on his cuts. Um, and I thought that it was nice to see Rodion. I, I predicted before the game with Noir Barat that we might see a return of Jana Musa. A lot of people responded to me and were thinking that Rodion's might get the call up. And, and they were right. And, you know, I thought in the 11 minutes that he was out there, he, despite the fact that he was minus eight, I thought it was incredibly positive. We saw glimpses of the roadie that we saw last year. Yeah, it was just kind of simplified for him. You know, he was attacking the rim, getting hit on those cuts, and shooting layups. You know, it doesn't really get much simpler than that, but that's what Rody can provide this team. And then you kind of mentioned defensively, he added a nice little spark. And this is a way to kind of work him back in. And he'll provide a skill set. It's obviously not David Nawaba, but it's similar in a sense that he can bring tenacity, he can bring a little bit of defense, and he can bring a little toughness. Yeah, I think that intangible element out of the bench players that we have, Rody has in spades. And and we've seen that. And we saw a little bit of it tonight, you know. Obviously, you know, 11 minutes, you know, hopefully that can continue to grow. Maybe against the Knicks, we see it grow up to 15, maybe even 20. But I, I liked what I saw from him tonight. You know, he was just doing the right things. And when he is cutting, he just looks so much better. You know, when we lack a real, you know, a backup ball handler out there, DJ's doing things from the elbow player movement creates opportunities and you know Rodion's created his own through making some really smart timely athletic cuts and we could use a couple of those roadies stealing slams especially that fresh second unit that really just struggles offensively so I agree it'd be very nice if Rodion's could get going and then all of a sudden the Nets would have you know more capable forwards you know Torian Prince isn't playing great so now Kenya has some options where hey Wilson Chandler's getting back into things Rodion's playing like last year maybe it puts a little bit pressure on Torian Prince who honestly I feel like is struggling he struggled in this game he struggled in the Spurs game what are your thoughts on him yeah, he did struggle, but at the end of the day, you know, we've got the Christmas break coming up. I think it's a time to reset because he is doing 
I think we've spoken about with the, in the absence of our two best players, and obviously Kevin Durant, you count him as well as our third, one of our third best players, or our other third uh, um, best player. Our God-level player. <laughs> a God-level player. He is, uh, he is something else. Let's, let's just say that. But it's forcing Torian to do a lot on both ends of the floor. That is not necessarily normal to him. I know in the, a lot of people are getting on Torian Prince's back in terms of this is why the Hawks traded him in the first place. You can see that. But again, I will say, 10 rebounds tonight. I thought that he came up with some really timely, energetic boards. There were times where his shot was a bit eh. I really liked there was one pass that he had to Joe Harris on the perimeter. It was a, I can't remember if Joe hit it, but it was an absolute bullet. And it was just yep. fizzed out off the drive. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm still, I still think Torian Prince is finding his footing. He's still a young player. At the end of the day, he is... At best, a, a fourth or fifth starter, but he's being forced to play like a second or third in the absence of of all of our superstars. So, I still like what Torian Prince is providing. I can recognize uh, a lot of negative elements in his game in terms of the fact that there's some timely, you know, un- some untimely turnovers. He can make silly plays on both ends of the floor. He can give away fouls a, a little bit willy nilly at times. But for the most part, and tonight's game as well. I would probably, if we're grading it, I would still give it a C, maybe even a B minus. Yeah, I'd probably go with like a C or a C minus. I think often, you know, what's frustrating is because you see peaks. You see yeah. times where he can be really good. You know, last time they played Atlanta, he was really good. I do recall the pass you mentioned the first half. I believe Joe missed a corner three, but it was a straight bullet. It might have been one of the best passes that Torian Prince has thrown in a Nets uniform. Yeah. And the fact is Joe Harris didn't hit it, so it's not going to be a highlight. And we're not going to talk about it as much, but it just those flashes kind of aggravate you. And I think I get frustrated sometimes with him driving to the rim because it's almost like he forgets how big he is. He had Trey Young on him numerous times, and we've seen him drive on a lot bigger players. He just wasn't able to attack and, like, get that finishing touch inside and that's just an area i think he can capitalize on with that size but like you mentioned some clutch boards and some okay defense i think he does better on the bigger guys we saw when he got switched on trey young he struggled which most of the nets did but the 10 boards is always something that's going to stick out for a team that wasn't great on the boards the entire game yeah i think that he was really important in that regard and and i think that in terms of a a skill overall for especially a wing rebounding does i think go under the radar a little bit but Jared Allen, I thought Nick had some good moments tonight. Some of the times when he just comes out with these ridiculous blocks. I think that in terms of block highlights, maybe Jared Allen might be the leader in that regard. It all begun last season. Yeah, he's really good. I mean, that was not only an incredible block he had on Fernando. It was also an incredible recovery. Yeah. He contested Trey Young's shot. Trey Young passed the ball. Jared Allen was still able to recover and pin it on the glass. We're not even talking about a regular block. Like a pin block is one of the hardest ones to do. And he did all that. And I think that's also kind of what makes Jared Allen frustrating for fans. I think we kind of understand that he's young. He's going to develop to get that level of consistency. But you see those flashes of him being amazing. It's like, yo, Jared, why can't you block every shot? Jared, why aren't you dunking all the time? So it gets a little bit frustrating for fans. But I thought overall it was an okay game. But this is a luxury you have, DeAndre where you have the bigger physical presence when you need it against a guy like Alex Lyon. Yeah, I think tonight, you know, it, it just worked out in, in that sort of way. You know, Alex, he struggled a little bit about with Alex Len at times. I'm not saying that, you know, Alex Len is Joel Embiid by any stretch, but DeAndre was a much better matchup on, on this occasion. But I did like the, the one highlight I will pull out is when, you know, Jared Allen showed that nifty little post move, some, yep. some decent strength and a really soft finish. That's what I think Jared Allen can show. And obviously... 
for the Brooklyn Nets, you're rarely going to get post touches. I, I would assume, I'm pretty sure I've seen this before, that the Nets are probably 30th in post touches when it comes to how we play and in terms of how we distribute our shots. But, you know, it shows that, you know, when, when you need to get a basket, Jared Allen can do it every now and then. I think he's continuing to grow. And these flashes should give him confidence. Yeah, and it's like something that's going to take time to develop. It's not like he came here with a post game. We just kind of haven't let him expose it. He's never really had one. Obviously, maybe in high school, I didn't go back that far, but not at Texas. So I think Jared Allen could come, kind of progress. And we've seen the footwork improve. It's just getting more confidence, getting more reps in that area, and then obviously getting bigger. You're going to feel a little bit more confident banging bodies down low. Yo, Nick, is uh, Spencer Dibley the most frustrated player in the NBA? Yeah, I mean, I felt like I felt the frustration for Spencer Dinwiddie tonight because it felt like he was hit a lot. And it just was really frustrating is because they call the ticky tacky fouls with hands on the other end of the floor. But if you bang somebody with your body, if your hands are straight up in the air, it's not a foul, which is just not the case. Verticality is if you jump straight up with your arms straight up. Alex Len, Fernando a couple times obviously moving and putting Spencer Dewey on the ground. Like I, I was frustrated for the guy. I give him a lot of props for continuing to drive to the rim. Yeah, at the end of the day, he was he produced back-to-back games, 80 points in two games. Um, hint, hint, for anyone who isn't subscribed to the outlet, I'm going to have him as my stud of the week. And you cannot take him because I just called it right now. Um, yeah, but, he was... but, but I mean, I'm going to give a hint. I'm not sure if our listeners carry over, but our stud of the week is not based off of on-court performance this week, Jack. Oh, what, what is, I thought that was it the most charitable thing. Is that what we're doing the stuff yes. on? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, then I, I, I thought you that just was lost a, an opportunity. Oh, uh, well, that was a that was a separate thing. I do have. I, I thought that was a separate topic. We're still doing studs. No, I've got the charitable things. Don't worry about that. I've got Brooklyn Nets players for that too. But Spencer you better was not just, steal mine that I have for that. But you better check out the outlet. So but let's continue with the Nets. Well, it, that will be Nets related as well. So plenty of Nets talk on the outlet and JBT uh, as always. But Spencer is just continuing to prove that he is reaching, you know, near superstar status. You know, I'm doing my top 50 and currently rearranging it. You know, Spencer is pushing his way up and up that list. He's playing some masterful basketball. And, you know, he spoke before the game to to Yes Network about how much he wants to be an all-star in terms of, he sort of said, his reasoning behind it was, I want it because I think it's a reflection of us going well as a team. And for, to have a, a player in there to represent us, it would show that, you know, we're in a decent spot in uh, as a team collective rather than me individually and it just shows Spencer Dimwood is always incredibly deflective when it comes to praise he always speaks up his boys um, but he was again superb tonight and in 34 minutes to score 39 points and to still have the awareness in terms of you know the foul trouble that he was under you know I think almost immediately as soon as he came in Trey Young drived on him and to not give away that foul you know and still get the stop was incredibly good so I mean, what more can we say about this guy? I, I mean, I'm going to have trouble picking out who to do a play breakdown of, but I know the Spencer Dimity ones always take a lot longer because he keeps scoring so damn much. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of attacks in this game, and obviously he still had the six assists with the 39 points. Uh, he just continues to really carry this team when they don't have a lot of great players. They struggle in a lot of areas, and Spencer is cleaning that up. You know, essentially right now they're rolling out with one creator, and that guy Spencer Dinwiddie, and teams know that, and they're putting a lot of pressure on it, and Dinwiddie's kind of living up to the expectation. He had 39 points and what was it, 41 against the Spurs? Like, it, it's a lot of scoring, but it's also even more scoring considering the players around him. That's no disrespect to the other Nets, but it's guys that aren't, you know, great NBA players or even NBA starters, and Dinwiddie is still doing this. He's he's doing things that... You know, we, we keep repeating about how how 
how shocked in a, in a positive way we are about this. You know, I, I remember a few games ago that Jared Allen's like, look, this is the standard that I think Spencer Dimwitty has set. And I think he has now. I think he has set a standard for himself where we expect superstar level basketball from him, especially when our guys are out. But he can continuing to, to reach new heights. But Nick, I'll get you to respond to something for me right now. Joe Harris makes me feel things I didn't know I thought I could actually feel. <laughs> I think I told you what we need to do. We need to make your uh, Twitter account 18 plus right now because you're getting some dark areas of the web and of Joe Harris. I'm going to, you know, the OnlyFans or just like, you know, those paid Snapchats, you know, that's what yeah. I do for Joe Harris. I think there's, there's certainly a market for it. I know plenty of other Joe Harris stands out there. And I think uh, you started the trend, though. I'm going to give you the props. You've been on it from the top. I've been uh, I've been as thirsty as anyone. Let's put it that way. Um, <laughs> That's it's, a good way to put it. <laughs> it's it's uh, pretty warm down here in the Southern Hemisphere in Melbourne right now as it's summertime. So uh, whenever I see a Joe Harris play, it certainly does make me hot. And you know that finish through contact over Herder off the the steal. It wasn't necessarily a steal. It was almost like an accidental lost ball. But he was just so strong. And I as soon as I stood up. I was yelling. My parents told me to shut up. I just flexed in their faces. So uh, he is. Uh, I could do. I could. I should actually. I might just do a Patreon just for Joe Harris content. And Nikki, you know, I'm going to force you to subscribe to that as well. Okay, as long as I get a free account because I think <laughs> you could charge some good money for that. But no, really, that finish, that clutch play, and then Joe, I think he had the back-to-back threes. He missed the first one, then he hit the second one. The Nets ended up going up, I think, by six at that point. That was big. You know, he's hitting these clutch shots. And like, you know, we mentioned Torian Prince struggling. He occasionally have the big play in the fourth, and then Joe Harris will have the big play in the fourth. So I think these guys having the ability to step up, and it also benefits the Nets. They've played so many close games this year. They have the experience not only this season, but over the last couple of years, too. Yeah, and I might have been upset with Zach Lowe and Bill Simmons a little bit in terms of their Kyrie Irving talk on their pod, but they also gave plenty of kudos to to my boy Joey Buckets. And, you know, I think Bill Simmons made a nice little note as well. We spoke about in the preseason, Nick, in, in the player preview for Joe Harris about how Team USA, the Team USA experience would affect him and, and possibly elevate him. Uh, it's, it's done that. You know, he's playing some really incredible basketball on both sides of the floor and he's continuing to make plays and plays after plays. But again, another little Yes Network tidbit, they had a really good little stat in terms of you know Joe Harris's scoring and how it affects the team, when he has 15 plus points, the Nets are eight and one. When he has 11 points or fewer, the Nets are one and six. When he has 11 plus field goal attempts, the Nets are 12 and six. And when he has less than 10, he, they are three and seven. So, as I say, put the ball in Joey Bucket's hands, and the Nets are going to do some good damn things. And I think for Joe, when he has a lot of attempts, because even if he's not hitting the shot, it kind of says one thing. The ball is moving because we've seen teams kind of make more of an effort to prevent him from his easy looks, you know, coming off screens, kind of shutting that down. So a lot of times when he's getting threes, it's all three or four passes because teams are having to rotate. And then all of a sudden, Joe's being the guy that's left open because he's the last option to get left open. Yeah, he's just... I mean, he he makes me... He met, I'm trying to think there, you know how like you just try to search for the right words, Nick, and you know how yeah. you like walk up to like the, a pretty girl or a pretty guy at the bar and you just, you get you fumble with your words a little bit and you just, you don't know what to say. You're just sort of in awe of their beauty and their just presence. That's with me watching Joe Harris every single time we play, we play. And it's a, it's a nice feeling to have because sometimes I don't get that in, in my dating life. So Joe Harris can uh, fill that void nicely. 
he puts you in that uh, deer in the headlights look. But uh, Jack, I think that wraps it up. We are going to hit you guys with a holiday edition of the buzz over the next couple of days. So check that out. But always a pleasure, Jack. Big thanks, everybody, for listening. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, OTGBasketball.com, Netsrefog.com, and Blue Wire. Happy holidays, Nets fans. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.